we put off doing stuff for a host of reasons. Although different people put off things for different reasons, any single person tends to put things off for the same or similar reasons. This gives us a sort of procrastinality. Whether you identify with perfectionists, grand architects, worry warts, contrarians, or doormats, it all kind of has the same practical outcome. Delaying and sometimes neglecting outright. How would you feel if someone bailed an important promise to you in the last minute? Less than fantastic. Hmm. Then Dr. Cashy wonders how you give yourself permission to break promises to yourself so often. Where can we find the self-respect in that? Let's talk about it. Roll the intro! Hello! And welcome to... Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. In today's episode, we're taking a closer look. It's a spicy one, everybody. It's spicy. <laughs> All right. Ultra quick review from Dr. Cashy's previous nerd rant on time management. There are three causes to this procrastination problem, which Dr. Cashy is now calling the three-headed monster, by the way. All right. I like it. How do you like it? Let me know. All right. There's anxiety, threatening to the self or self-esteem. There is boredom. This activity needs to be more stimulating and rebelliousness, where I feel forced to do this. <coughs> Ooh, Mrs. Cash, you got me yet another one. This is great. <sighs> By and large, okay, what causes problem thinking is less important than what maintains, sustains, and perpetuates it. Good morning, Sarah. What are the most common stories you tell yourself when your now self gets permission from the future self to let future self do all the stuff? Well, it turns out it depends on the type of procrastinator you are. And on this episode of Dr. Cashy's Fantastic Procrastinators and Where to Find Them, you're finding out what type of procrastinality you have and how it ticks. Exciting stuff, all right? Dr. Cashy perused the abundant psychotherapy literature, and it turns out there are about a half a dozen major procrastinalities, these major archetypes, and Dr. Cashy must admit he identifies with all of them. Is that evidence for split personalities? I don't know. <laughs> Linda Sapadin, Sapadin, please, I hope I'm saying this right. Linda Sapadin, a procrastination studying academic broke down six major archetypal procrastinalities. Oh, thank you, Pedram. I practice. <laughs> All right. Here are the six major archetypal procrastinalities. The perfectionist, the grand architect, the worrywart, the contrarian, the doormat, and the procrastinator. All right. So let's do number one, the perfectionist, where your standards are so high, even you, the perfectionist, have trouble reaching those standards. So why bother? <laughs> number two, the grand architect, where your goals are so huge and vague, it's impossible to know where to start and where to end. And since it's a dream that is so mondo, you have all the time in the world to do it. Number three, the worry wart. Everything's gonna go wrong if I do something, so I may as well think about how everything is gonna go down in flames and eat these Cheez-Its and bins on this show anxiously. <laughs> Number four, the contrarian. You want me to do something? Screw you. Not only will I put this off to the last second, when I actually do it, I'm going to do such a fantastic job, you will forever erase me as an option. 
to ever do anything ever again. Number five, the doormat. Sure, of course I'll do it. I love that stuff. Oh, my schedule is full and I hate all that stuff. What have I done? <laughs> Number six, the biggin. The procrastinator. You wear your last minute panic driven work ethic like a badge. When you tell people you work best under pressure, they're too embarrassed to ask if you're, if you're telling on yourself or if you're bragging. So they just say, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> and number seven, Dr. Cashy's bonus personality type, the bonus procrastinality is the procrasturbator. And uh, I'll let you fill in those blanks, all right? Now that you've had the ability to self-identify with one or all of these procrastinalities, I think we've played each role at one time or another, but it depends on the situation though, right? Okay. What are the most common stories you tell yourself in a situation like that? To put it confusingly, how, when, and under what circumstances does your now self get permission from the future self to let future self deal with it? Here are some sabotaging micro conversations tied to these procrastinalities. See if any of them rustle your jimmies, all right? Dr. Cashy's personal favorites are first to get the ball rolling, all right? This is my favorite one. I'll start on this soon. I'm thinking about how to approach this. It's all happening right here. There's tons of work going on. It's all, it's all in the old noodle. The planning and the doing and everything is happening in here. Everything else is still, but this is where everything is happening. I'm thinking about how to approach this. The next one. I do my best under pressure. My second favorite one. <laughs> Looks like it's time to do my laundry, wash my dishes, dust the air vents, and make sure the television antenna is at the correct angle to maximize the cosmic rays coming from the satellite. I'm gonna make a time-sucking checklist of BS prep work, like organizing my desk, checking to make sure all my pens have ink, having plenty of snacks ready and then do all those things, and then be satisfied with the work I've done thus far, which makes it time for a break and a snack. Oh, the neighbor's dog is barking? What if Timmy is stuck in a well? There's a text? The Avengers might need me. I heard the air conditioner click on. Who can possibly work under these grueling conditions? <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow is always tomorrow. I suck at doing this stuff. I always screw it up anyway. I'll do it at night. I'm a night owl. That's when I'm active. I'll do it when I wake up, though. That's when I'm fresh. I'm so lazy. Deadline? Sure. Timeline? Nope. I'll snack and goof and relax, anxiously, until inspiration strikes. I'm just going to let it all stew, and then it'll come to me, and then I'll do it. I'll get to it when... Insert vague event here with no timeline. <laughs> Timelessness, an event, timelessness event, all right? So do you have any stories you tell yourself when you're putting things off? Let Dr. Cashy know he loves this stuff, all right? <laughs> Letting your future self deal with things is like a coworker always manipulating you into covering their shift, or your boss telling you to stay late every day, or somebody else taking work off your hands and at the last minute saying, nah, you do it. Think about how it feels when a person you care about says they'll do something and then at the very last minute they ditch you and say, eh, we're close. I thought you'd be fine with it. <laughs> Are you fine with it? 
No! Do you tolerate it? Maybe. How long do you tolerate it? Until, well, until you lose your cool or until you build up so much resentment that the relationship with this person is now toxic and possibly irreparable. Hint, that's what happens to the relationship with yourself. Maybe it's happened already. <sighs> Funny how we have an equal opposite standard here. If a person comes to you, a person close to you, comes and tells you they've done goofed and did a boo-boo that threw them off track, you'd probably reassure them and say, hey, in the grand scheme, it's all good. Just hop back on track, Jack. But if you make a boo-boo and you throw yourself off track, I bet sometimes that spirals into a catastrophe. You feel like a total failure that deserves to be punished, and, well, you feel like an income poop, right? Let's go to the opposite side. If a person makes a promise to you and they break that promise and they goofed up and their procrastination done did a boo-boo that bent you over, well then, that's about as acceptable as cooking a fine steak in a microwave now, isn't it? If they goofed up in their own life, whatever, hop back on track, it's all good. If they goofed up and it inconveniences you, well then, time to bring the wrath or suppress it, leading to resentment and toxicity which again, happens to us, right? So now we've come full circle. When you make a promise to your future self and then break it, you're more or less okay with it. If it's a problem when somebody else breaks a promise to your future self, then what makes it okay when you make a promise and break it to future self? What in the same heck is going on here? Here's what Dr. Cashy thinks. If you goof on a plan and it's obvious now, then it's easy to get riled up and upset now. If you goof up on a plan and it's obvious later, well, you continue to goof until later becomes now. And when will then become now? Soon. <laughs> and around the merry-go-round we go. Think about it this way. Think of your future self and your current self as two separate people. If you knew what you were doing was royally screwing a person over and you knew that, well, because you're close, you could say, eh, we're close, it'll be fine. What makes that okay? What makes that okay? Oftentimes, the practical outcome of, of the delay of the procrastination is just acceptable enough that it positively reinforces the, the, the procrastination. We're like, eh, I put it off, but it all worked out fine. So whatever, I'll keep doing it right? Or if it really does bite you in the butt big time, it negatively reinforces procrastination. Huh, see, I told you it would fail. I am a failure. Why bother trying? I'm going to fail either way, so I may as well put it off. So you see, in either circumstance, the story leads you to reinforcing the procrastinating behaviors regardless. It's easy to say, well, it works out when I do it, so I'll keep doing it. But the reality is that if you try and do it and it fails, then it justifies and, and makes positive some other sabotaging thought that justify the procrastination as well. If you always fail, then why bother? If it's successful, then we'll keep doing it, right? Either way, it leads to the same place. So see how toxic this is, like for real? What checklist fixes this? What calendar fixes this? What time management program fixes this? <laughs> you know what really happens? I know you do, I know you do. Your little calendar notification blinks, pay this bill. Your little alarm reminds you to get back to all those emails. Little index card on your desk that says, reserve table, buy a birthday present for Mrs. Cashy, call mom. <laughs> you hear and see all these things, your heart rate spikes. 
the three, if the three-headed monster lives, these things, they only serve to remind you to procrastinate and remind you that you constantly break promises to yourself. You want to know why your heart rate spikes? Those little reminders and management systems, each one of them may as well say, be anxious, rebel, boredom imminent. <laughs> See why addressing the big three-headed monster of anxiety, boredom, and rebelliousness is so important? So let's wrap this up here. In conclusion, what is the one big thing that glues all the procrastinalities and dysregulated thought patterns together? There's a thinking problem that needs solving, stemming from rebelliousness, anxiety, and boredom. One of them, any of the two, or all three. If you need help getting organized, kicking butt, and slaying the three-headed monster, let Dr. Cashy know. He has your back. He can help guide your lifestyle so it sets you up to win, all right? Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>